Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But the title for today, we're starting a new section, Jesus Christ Power Over Death. And the title is Jesus Power Over Death, Fear or Faith? Fear or Faith? And it, we're going to be in Mark 5, 21 to 24, and then jumping ahead to 35, 36. That was sandwiched between the healing of the woman with the, with the bleeding problem. But I saw something that I think reminded me of this passage. And a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you saw it in the, the news, the, the guy who was, they thought was dead in Mississippi, but he wasn't quite dead. Anybody catch that news article? It says, I ran it off here, dead Mississippi man kicks to escape body bag. A funeral director in Mississippi got a bit of a shock this week when a man brought to him in a body bag kicked to get out of just before he was to be embalmed. He was not dead. Long story short, the funeral director said. The man, Walter Williams, had been pronounced dead on Wednesday after after the coroner arrived at his house in Lexington and found no pulse. Williams was then taken to the funeral home. I stood there and watched, his, his nephew said, I stood there and watched them put him in a body bag and zip it up. Paramedics picked Williams up from the funeral home, took him to the area, I'm sorry, after he kicked his way out of the bag, they picked him up from the funeral home and drove him to the area hospital where he's receiving treatment now. His nephew said, I don't know how long he's going to be here, but I know he's back right now. That's all that matters. Wow, huh? So pronounce him dead, take him to the funeral home, they're getting ready to embalm him, and he starts kicking his way out of the bag. And, And that's quite a story. That's crazy, but it's nothing compared to the story that we're going to see here in Mark 5 today. Someone who was really dead, not almost dead, but really dead. We've been looking at Jesus Christ's power. If you've been here for the last couple weeks, we've been looking at his power. We saw in Mark 4 and 5 his power over nature, the, the storms of life. We saw his power over the supernatural. We saw his power over the sickness last week, over sickness. And today we get to death, the granddaddy of them all. The big one. And Jesus saves this one for the last. And he's teaching his disciples a a very important lesson. But not just the the 12 disciples, 12 apostles. He's also teaching us some very, very important lessons, isn't he? And the question that we're going to look at today and that jumps out at us in this passage is will we react to life's trials with fear or with faith? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. Thank you for our team and sound team and just thank you for the the beautiful worship, the the chance to focus on you through our crazy, busy, stressful weeks, the trials that we're going through, the struggles that we're going through. Lord, now as we move from the worship to your word, just pray that what the worship has prepared us to do will happen, that our hearts will receive your word through your Holy Spirit. Whatever we're struggling with, I pray that we would go out with a different perspective, a different attitude, a different power in our life. We pray for that through your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's pick it up here in Mark chapter 5, and we'll do verses 21 to 24 first, where he says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. 
And we're going to jump past, we did this other, Mark sandwiched the healing of the, the, the bleeding woman in between it. We're going to jump all the way down to verse 35, where it picks up the story of Jairus again. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. And that's where we're going to stop today, but let me just finish the story so we know where we're going next week. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave them strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So in case you were thinking about missing next week, be here, because the next week's uh, the rest of the story, and it's wild, wild, wild. But we've got to set it up today here with verse, we'll start with verses 21 to 24. And in verses 21 to 24, once again, when Jesus crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Jairus. Jairus, the word, the name actually means he gives light. He, God, gives light. That's what, what Jairus' name means. And it's prophetic for him and for us, as we'll see. He's a synagogue ruler. The synagogue, if you've ever been to the Holy Land, uh, to Israel, you've could see even the site of, of some of these old synagogue foundations around the Sea of Galilee. But the synagogues were houses of worship that were spread throughout Palestine and all of the world where, where Jewish believers could come together and, and worship. And he, this, they didn't all, they didn't all have a, a, a rabbi overseeing them. A lot of times it just was 10 different families could make up a synagogue. And Jairus was a respected person because he was the lay leader in charge of this synagogue, in charge of the building, in charge of the worship. That was his job. And he comes and falls at Jesus' feet. And he begs Jesus to heal his dying daughter. This was politically incorrect. Because Jairus, being a religious leader, knew very well that most of the religious leaders of this time rejected Jesus. They were jealous of him. They were jealous of his power. They didn't like the way he taught because he taught the Bible a whole different way. He taught the real meaning of it, not some religious symbolism that they, and traditions that they had piled on top of it. He cut to the heart of the matter. And as a result, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were not happy with him. And so, this, so what Jairus was doing here was politically incorrect. It could get him into trouble. But he didn't care because he didn't care what it would cost him. Why? Because he was desperate. He was desperate. He would rather lose his prestige and his friends rather than lose his daughter. It's a picture of each one of us, isn't it? 
how we must come to Jesus Christ. Every one of us has to come the same way, humble and desperate. There's no other answer out there for me. And I don't care what my friends say. I don't want to care what the world says. I don't care about my status in the world's eyes. I'm going to come to Jesus. And God knows what it will take for each one of us to break us. He knows. He knows what it takes to bring us to our knees, to the foot of the cross. And then after we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he knows what it's going to keep on keeping us on our knees. God knows exactly what it takes to break us, to get us to that foot of the cross, to say, God, only you can save me through your son Jesus. Only you can heal this mess in my life. Only you can give me the life I'm supposed to be living. Only you can do it. And so Jesus goes with, goes with him, says he goes with him. He goes with Jairus. <clears throat> but if you were here last week, we saw the little commercial break there. He stops, you know, he's rushing to the house with this guy, but he stops to heal this woman who was sick. Remember the woman who was bleeding? And, and if you missed that, make sure you get the CD from last week or go on the podcast because it's a powerful passage. But why would Jesus take a detour like this? This little girl's dying. I mean, the, the, the ambulance lights are flashing, right? This is serious. And Jesus stops to heal somebody, and not just to heal, but then he stops to teach, a, preaches a little mini-sermon about faith and, and healing and salvation. If you missed it, it was wild. That had, that had to freak this guy out, right? Imagine if it was you, you're the parent, and the ambulance driver stops <laughs> to, to have coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. What are you doing? It had to freak this guy out. My daughter might die. You can imagine what he's thinking. My daughter might die. And it's exactly what happened. She did die while Jesus was doing this detour. But God had a purpose. Jesus never makes mistakes. He had a purpose. He had some lessons for Jairus and some lessons for each one of us. One of, first of all, he showed him his healing power. He showed him that he could heal sickness. This woman who was sick, 12 years, he healed her. And he stressed that her faith saved her. Not only did he heal her physically, but he healed her spiritually. She was healed from the bleeding, but she was also saved spiritually. Remember we talked about that last week? And he's obviously teaching, so he's showing his, showing his healing power. He's obviously teaching a lesson on patience too, isn't he? <laughs> None of us need those. And he's also teaching a lesson on his power. His healing power is not limited to sickness. He can even heal death. It's a lesson for this guy and for each one of us. But back to the delay, the detour. I want to just mention that again. You ever experienced a delay? A detour from God? How do we handle those? <laughs> How do we handle detours? Do you ever freak out on God? What are you doing? God, why, why now? When things are really critical, why are we getting this detour? Why are you blocking me here? What, why? Nobody here, but you might know somebody like that. It freaks out that way. Now, first of all, that's probably why God delays us in the first place. He knows what's in our heart. He knows he's got to get to something, right? And those delays, those frustrations, those, those trials bring out what's in us and what he's trying to get out of us and what he's trying to develop because one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. 
That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. And we can only learn patience by waiting. But also there's an important thing that we see here that God rarely works on our timetable. But he's never late. God rarely is on our schedule. But he's never late. We hear the saying all the time, all in God's time. All in God's time. And many times what we see is a detour or a delay or a block or walk. God, what are you doing moment? What we see is that is really God's faith builder. If we handle it the right way. It's his faith builder. He's trying to grow our faith, which we're going to see here in a few minutes. And look what happens next. There's even a bigger trial of faith than the delay that this man has to face before he can learn this faith lesson. An even bigger trial starts in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. So, while Jesus is finishing up his long sermon to this crowd around this woman who's just been healed, Jairus gets bad news. His daughter is dead. You ever experienced that? You go to, to Jesus in prayer and things get worse? I've heard the comments. I remember. Pastor Chuck, what's the point of praying? It doesn't do any good. I pray and things get worse. I've said it myself. What's the point of trying? What's the point of praying? I finally say, okay, I'm going to really try to live for you, God. Or I'm going to really come to you and give you something. And I give it to you and things get worse. Nobody here, but some former churches, I've heard those comments. Wait for part two. If you're, if you're at that place, wait for part two. Because next week, make sure you're here next week. Because next week is part two. Because even when everything looks completely hopeless, God is still in control. Even if we die, which is about the worst thing that could happen, we don't stay dead. But I'm giving away next week. But you talk about a trial of faith, right? You talk about a, a, a trial of faith. It's not just sickness he's dealing with now. His daughter's sick. His daughter's dead. I mean, healing is one thing. Even doctors heal on a regular basis, you know. But, but nobody brings people back from the dead. That's a whole other level of faith. But what makes it really hard on this guy, what makes it even worse, is, is the human advice he gets. They don't just tell him what happens. They give him a commentary. Don't bother the teacher anymore. It's not going to do any good. I mean... Think about this. It's hard enough to hear, hard enough on a trial of faith to hear your daughter is dead, but then the commentary you get along with it is, you know, it's, it's, it's give up. What were they really saying? Not even God can help you. Not even God can help you. That's what they're saying to him, right? There's nothing worse than when you're going through a trial. Someone comes along and tries to discourage you. It's, it's horrible, isn't it? And especially when they try to discourage you from trusting God. We get it all the time. Even Christians do it, right? Even Christians, we're going through a hard time and we're battling through and someone comes along and piles it on. 
They say something discouraging when you're going through a battle. You're trying to trust God. You're trying to follow God. Trying to do everything that you can with God. Praying. And, and someone comes along and says, well, you know, it's because you did this. It's because you are this and that. And you know what I mean? They pile it on. Or you're, you're done. You're finished. There's no hope. They, they steal our hope. Even well-meaning Christians can say, it's too late. It's, that, that's too much. You're too far gone. This is too far gone. Your kid, your marriage, it's too far gone. You ever get that? That's what this guy was getting. Discouragement on top of the trial. And even Christians do it. I, I've, had, I've had battles. Someone comes to me, a woman comes to me and says, my marriage is, is done. My, my husband, I just don't think we can make this. And, and I said, God's word says you can make it. And, 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 and you can do this. And, and there's no biblical grounds for divorce. Yeah, but I would think I want to divorce him. But there's no biblical grounds for divorce. It wasn't unfaithful. He hadn't abandoned her. And, I, and I'll say to the, the woman, but, but you need to stay with your husband then. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep letting God make you. In. Yeah, but all my friends are saying I should just divorce because he's abusive. He's abusive. What do you mean? Well, he doesn't like how I cook. You know? I mean, I'm just not beating me. It's just, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the usual marriage stuff, right? And I said, yeah, but biblically it says this. Yeah, but even my Christian friends are telling me I can divorce him. I should be happy. You can imagine what I say. Knowing me. Listen, I'm not downplaying. There's a, there's, that's where there's separation for, you know. Biblical separation forces someone to come around and, and treat their wife the right way or, or, or treat their husband the right way, whatever. I'm, I'm not saying somebody should be abused, but... but most of the time, the, the Christian advice they're getting is not biblical advice. It's worldly advice. Listen, if, if someone, don't listen to anyone's advice unless they're repeating God's word, word for word, verbatim. Don't listen. Because what Jesus says is, don't be afraid, just believe. No matter how bad things get, trust him. Listen to Jesus. Are we going to respond in fear or faith? And this had to be a shock to this man. And yet Jesus promised them. He said, don't be afraid, just believe. He promised them. When we're facing the impossible, when everybody's trying to discourage us, and we all go through this, right? When everyone's trying to discourage us, claim his promises. And Mark 5.36 is a great verse to memorize and to claim it. Where he says in Mark 5.36, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Ignoring what everybody else says. Don't be afraid, just believe. Just believe. What a verse. What a promise. Ignore the world's voices of the atheism and the evolutionists. There's no God. Just live like the animal that you are. You can't change. If you struggle with X, Y, and Z, that's what you have to be. You were born this way. Well, listen, that's not what God's word says to us. We've all been born some terrible way, haven't we? We're all struggling with something. But it's a, that's a lie when we're facing the impossible, when everybody's trying to discourage us when we're facing that impossible say I don't care what they say 
I don't care what people say. I don't care what they say. I'm only going to listen to what Jesus says. And he says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Put faith over fear. And we can face this through faith instead of fear. And remember that God is using this girl's death to teach us a lesson on faith. To increase his faith. To increase our faith. This is all about a lesson, this, and we're going to see the second part next week, but it's all about a lesson on it, growing us in our faith. That's the whole point of trials, why God lets us go through them, why he keeps letting us go through them, and why we keep whining and messing up, he keeps, he keeps having to put us right back into that same trial again. Same thing we do with our kids. They don't want to learn this math equation. What do you do? Keep making them do it. They whine, the more they whine, the more they got to do it. And that's with us. You say, why do I keep going through the same thing? Light bulb. What is God trying to grow us in? What faith is he trying to grow us in? And God is trying to, to, to increase his faith here. He says, don't be afraid, but keep believing. The word in Greek says, literally says, keep on believing. This guy had the faith to come to Jesus. It was small faith, but he had the faith to come to Jesus, the desperate faith to come to Jesus. Then his faith had to be increased as he saw this, this woman bleeding woman healed that had to increase his faith and now jesus challenges jairus to keep his faith in the faith of an keep his faith in the face say that 10 times fast in in the face of an impossible situation death but he says keep your faith keep moving forward in your faith grow in your faith That's the whole point, and that's what God is telling us. That's what Jesus is teaching us from this passage this morning, to keep growing in our faith. What trial are you facing today? It might be death. It could be sickness. It could be a storm in your life. It could be a spiritual attack. All the things that we've been talking about. What trial are you facing? What crisis of faith are you facing? What area in your life is God keeping you waiting how is God keeping us waiting it's hard isn't it I don't like to be kept waiting ever you should drive with me (laughs) I hate it when someone keeps me awake cuts me off slows down what is it you know but every I'm like oh God what are you trying to teach me what are you trying to teach me How is God keeping us waiting? And we have a choice. Each one of us has a choice, whatever we're facing. The trial, the crisis of our faith, the waiting time. Are we going to respond in fear or faith? Fear or faith. That's why Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. Keep on believing. Every one of us, every day, every minute, every second, we have a choice. Fear or faith. And what fear does is fear paralyzes us. It takes our eyes off of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at that when we see walking on the water and Peter sinking. But it takes our eyes off of Jesus Christ. That's what fear does. It stunts our growth and even destroys our faith. But when we we see everything in faith, it allows us to see what God is trying to teach us. And to do in us and to do through us. That's what faith allows us to see in every trial we're going through. What is God trying to teach me? What is he trying to do in me? What is he trying to do through me? That's the key with seeing it in faith. And I've seen trials 
do both. I've seen people react in fear. And I've seen it in my own life. And, and, and we see, let's say we see, we see people, re, we see ourselves respond in either fear or in faith. Even death, responding in fear or in faith. And, and it can either kill our faith or grow our faith. And, I, and we've seen as a church people respond different ways to death. We've experienced some really hard trials as a church, haven't we? But yet I've seen people in this church over the 14 years we've been here, I've seen people facing death respond in fear and lose their faith and disappear and turn on God in bitterness and be just in miserable places. But I've seen other people facing that same crisis of faith through facing death and and a loved one, and yet their faith grows and they minister to other people and they're a huge witness and, and they believe God has a purpose somehow and they believe that, as we'll see next week, the person who died is still alive. We'll see it next week. How are we going to respond? And before we go to prayer, I want to say this. Maybe you're here today and you've never come to the feet of Jesus Christ. You've never come on your knees to the foot of the cross and asked Jesus to heal you. The great healing we talked about last week is the spiritual healing. In fact, the word here for heal in the Greek means save. At the same time, it's used interchangeably. Have you ever come to the cross and asked Jesus to save you? He died on that cross to pay for our sin. Everything wrong we've ever done and that's cut us off from a relationship with his father. He died on that cross in our place. And if we will come on our knees in faith to that cross and put our faith in Jesus, he will forgive us and heal us and save us and we will have life forever with him someday. Even when we die someday, we're going to come back alive next week. Don't Make sure you're here. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have the power that Jesus gives us over death itself? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe you're going through a trial. Well, probably you're going through a trial. If we're breathing, we're probably going through a trial. How are we responding? With fear? Or faith. Is our prayer this morning, God, I don't like this trial. I will never like this trial. But I'm thankful in this trial. Because I know you're doing something. I believe you're doing something. I trust what you're doing. And it's something good. Even though it hurts, it's something good. You're doing spiritual surgery on me. And I'm asking for your help. Your grace. To trust you. And to get the good out of it grow through this spiritually and to believe that someday I'm going to see what you are doing in me and through me in this situation 
we're praying and take some time to talk to God and do business with him. Surrendering to him. While we're doing this, I want to talk to those. I want to encourage those who've never put their faith in Jesus. I want to encourage you to go to the foot of the cross. Maybe you're still seeking and just wrestling through it. That's great. Keep on coming. Keep on praying. Keep reading your Bible. Keep wrestling with your faith. That's awesome. But maybe you're broken enough and desperate enough to come to Jesus right now and to beg him to heal you right now to save you today to say Jesus I need healing my life is a mess I am wounded sin is controlling me has broken me but I'm coming for healing. I don't want the sin, the old life anymore. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in you, Jesus, who died for me. I give my life to you. If you've prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to let somebody know Maybe you came with a friend or a family member. Maybe you tell me on the way out or fill out the card or email, text, whatever. Let someone know so we can be excited for you and encourage you because something amazing has happened to you. Something so amazing that you will never fully realize it until the day you die and wake up in eternity with Jesus. You've been given a brand new life to live here. Father, I don't know why we keep need to, we keep need to relearning the le same lessons over and over and over again. Except I must have the hardest head in the world. But Lord, your grace never fails. Your mercy never fails. And I pray that we would not waste one bit of pain. We would not waste one trial one bit of suffering, but it would all be transformed by your mercy and grace into something beautiful. We ask your Holy Spirit to complete what your word, what your worship and word has started this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name.